or Jesus the anointed one. So this name, Jesus Christ, came about because of the significant difference that happened to Jesus when he encountered the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? So, my topic is the anointing, of which I have a few books here on the anointing. This one is called The Anointed and His Anointing. The Anointed, in other words, the anointed man with the anointing that he carries. Because anointed anointing is not found, let's say, walking around in Francistown, buying pizza, or just feeling happy. And the anointing is not a, pla- a, a plastic bag full of air floating around. The, the anointing is on somebody. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This book is called Catch the Anointing. How to Catch the Anointing. It's a very small book, but very important. You, catch, you must catch the anointing. If you are not anointed, you cannot do much. And this book is called The Sweet Influences of the Anointing. Why is this important? Because we are all influenced by somebody and by something. And many pastors are influenced by Secular things and things that are not the Holy Spirit. So the sweet influences. In this book, every chapter shows you from the Bible what influence the Holy Spirit can have on different aspects of your life based on the Bible. So this book is a comprehensive teaching on the Holy Spirit's effect on your life on different parts of your life. So this is a very important book. I'm actually going to share from this one. And this book is called Steps to the Anointing. You know, that's why I ask you how many of you are pastors. Because if you are not a pastor or you are not a serious church leader, these books will not be interesting to you. You know, if you want books about money, how to be rich, you have come to the wrong place. These are the, we are not here to talk about money. I hope you understand it. We are not here to talk about money. We are talking about ministry. Right? Ministry is different from getting money. A lot of pastors are sick. That's why they always talk about money. They are spiritually sick. Steps to the anointing. All right? Beautiful. Now, Luke 4 verse 18. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Do you remember that story? Yes. Huh? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Wow. Okay. And this is the first step. In Luke chapter 4 verse 1, Jesus was led by the spirit to the wilderness. Is that not so? Yes, this is the wilderness. So the first, the first thing that the Holy Spirit did to him, amen, 
was to lead him, amen, amen. into the wilderness. Now, if you don't mind, uh, let's look at Luke chapter 3, verse 22 and verse 23. I'm, I'm just assuming that you know the scriptures so, which is a bad assumption, but Luke three twenty two in verse twenty one says, "When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus, also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. The heaven will open over you. Yeah. And what happened? The Holy Ghost." Descended in a bodily shape. Wow. Like a dove. Amen. Amen. And a voice came from heaven. And the voice said. Thou art my beloved son. In thee I am well pleased. Then the next verse tells us the age of Jesus. He was 30. Just on the side. Ministry is basically from the ages of. 25 to 50. You know, you, you must know that ministry is something that is done from the ages of 25 to 50. After 50, it's different. In Luke, uh, in uh, Numbers 4 and Numbers 8, the scripture tells us that the Levites shall minister from the age of 25 up to 50. And after that, they shall step back. So I am here on a, this is a retirement Ministry. I'm, I'm on retirement now in the spirit. And this is my post-retirement ministry. Yes. Many of us are too old in the ministry. And no young people are rising up in your church. You know, uh-huh. there's no young pastor in the ministry in your church. Something is wrong. Yes. There must be young people. The ministry is for young people. Amen. 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 So if you are here and you are a young person, you are in the right place. Ministry is not for when you are finished doing every bad thing. And then you come and now start preaching good things. Sometimes you see people have done every bad thing in the world. When they finished and they are tired. They are, they are no more having erections. Yeah. Then they come and they start preaching. Don't commit adultery. Don't commit fornication. Because they have retired from sin due to internal weaknesses. Yes. Ministry is for when you have feelings. And God has called you. And you still decide to serve him. And preach what you are also experiencing and suffering from. Practically. Anyway, this by the side. So Luke is telling us when the Holy Spirit came to Jesus. But before that, Jesus was known as a carpenter. Pure and simple. There was nothing to him except carpentry and Bible study. So in Luke, by the end of Luke chapter 3, 
Jesus now has received the Holy Spirit in a bodily form. Alright? That means that he could have come in another form. Not necessarily a bodily form. So in Luke chapter 4 verse 1, we see the first effect of the Holy Spirit. And that is, he leads Jesus into the wilderness. Amen. So, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he starts to lead you and influence you. Amen. Amen. Now, where did the Holy Spirit lead Jesus to? He didn't lead him to America. He didn't lead him to England. He didn't lead him to Paris. He led him to the wilderness. You see, that's why sometimes you look at pastors and you wonder whether we are led by the Spirit. Because the Spirit doesn't seem to lead people to wildernesses anymore. Yes. There are many wildernesses and the Spirit doesn't seem to be leading anybody to any wilderness anymore. Yes. Hmm? Most African pastors, when they are traveling abroad, they are either going to America, they are going to England, they are going to Germany. When the prophets are prophesying, they prophesy. They'll say, you, you, I see, I see the spirit is taking you to Boston. And, and, and he will say, I receive it. And they say, you, you, I see the Spirit is taking you to California. I receive it. And this one, you, you, I see the Spirit is taking you to Paris. Then he points to another one and says, you, the Spirit is taking you to Togo. And the person will say, Tofiakwa, which means God forbid. God forbid. Togo, I refuse it in the name of Jesus. Today's pastors, today's pastors, the spirit does not seem to be leading them to wildernesses. Yes, even when the prophets are prophesying. How come it's only prophesying about such things in such a way? Who will go to this wilderness? Yes. That is why today, most of these countries have fallen 95% to another religion. Yes. Guinea, Sierra Leone, Mali, Chad, Senegal, Niger. Many countries have just fallen. Because Christians, you see, are not led by the spirit to the wilderness. We are led to America. It's true. And when Americans were led by the spirit, you find them going to Africa, South America, anywhere where there are people, you find a missionary there. And they brought the gospel to many places. So when the spirit is working, 
you see certain characteristics. Yes. Just as, you know, they say, oh, when these people come here, there will be all this. There are some people here, you don't like people from West Africa. You know, because you have a mind, oh, these, we, these people, when they come, they will bring all these things. They will do this, they will do that. No problem. When the Spirit comes, He does certain things also. There are things associated with the Holy Spirit all the time. And one of the first things, oh, sorry. Please. One of the first things is the Spirit leading you to the wilderness. (laughs) Unless I didn't read the Bible. Is it in the Bible or not? Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. To the wilderness. That was the first thing the Holy Spirit did. To be tempted of the devil. Yes. To be tested. Well, well tested. You know, and that is why we undergo so many experiences in, in the ministry. How many would like to drive a car whose brakes have not been tested? You wouldn't like a car whose brakes have not been tested. So God allows us to go through things to test us to see what we are made of. Yes, for your sake. And Jesus was tempted with the same temptation that the first Adam received. Now, after being tempted and overcoming, Jesus Christ went to Nazareth in verse 16. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as the custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. So this is the first message of Jesus. The the anointing is on my life. It was his first message. And... Kenneth Hagin said, how many know Kenneth Hagin? Yeah, Kenneth Hagin, a great prophet, he said he had a vision of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus told him that that message, the spirit of the Lord, that is upon upon me, which he preached in the synagogue. He did not preach that message only in Nazareth as the first message. But everywhere he went, it was always his first message. It's not in the Bible, but it's it's true. I believe it. He said that the Lord told him that it was the first thing I preached all the time. It wasn't only in Nazareth. It's so important, the Holy Spirit, the anointing, Because, you see, that's the beginning of ministry. That's the beginning of fruitfulness. That's the beginning of the change. That's the beginning of ministry. Hallelujah. Without this anointing, you cannot do much. Yes. So, in this book, the steps to the anointing. Now, I'm, I'm teaching from my book. There's nothing to write if you... 
have the book. It's, um, I, read, I actually virtually read the notes to you. And people don't read, so you have to read to them. But in this book, chapter one, you see exactly what I'm, I'm sharing. Now, you notice, why do you need the anointing? Because that's what started the ministry. And that's what starts your ministry. Yes. Take the disciples of Jesus Christ. (laughs) They walked with Jesus for three years. But Jesus said to them, listen, what you need is the anointing. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise The promise of the Spirit. When the Spirit comes on you, you change. Now, Peter had natural strength, natural ideas, which many of us have. But when he was faced with the challenge of ministry, he was not able to overcome. They said, are you not one of the disciples? He said, no, I'm not. I'm not one. And he denied Jesus more than Judas. He denied Jesus more than Judas. Three times. He was tested on three. A small girl is asking you. He said, look, I curse you. Shut up. I, I I don't know Jesus. He had three opportunities to change his mind. And then after that, he was found no more. We never heard of him at the cross. He didn't come to the cross. He didn't come for anything. He didn't attend any of the other meetings. No more Peter. No more Peter. Finish with Peter. The difference between Peter and Judas is that Judas didn't want to meet people. You know, if you've ever known somebody who's committed suicide, you know, just before I left Ghana, a medical student committed suicide. When I was in school, a medical student committed suicide in the school. One of the things about people who commit suicide is that they don't want to meet people to discuss anything. They They want to leave you with a mystery. Sometimes they leave a note. It's like, I don't want to talk. I don't want to see. I don't want to. I don't want to think anymore. And go through any of these issues. I don't. Because if Judas had come back, he would have had to have a meeting with Thomas, Peter, Matthew, and others would be asking him that, how can you do this? You know, yes. But Jesus, but Peter, because Peter too, I'm sure when he came back, they asked him, ah, we hear you say you didn't know us at all. (laughs) We We heard this and that. Do you think you can still be our leader? Yes. Can you still be our leader? And people could have challenged him seriously. We don't think. You are whatever. 
Yeah. So, that's the difference. You get it. But after the anointing, so if Judas had come back, I'm sure he would have become, we would have seen the, uh, we'll, be re- we'll be reading Judas chapter 4 verse. <laughs> second Judas, first and second and third Judas. <laughs> yes. First, second and third Judas. But now we are reading first and second Peter. Yeah. So now Jesus, now Peter suddenly changes and is able to preach. How can that be possible? The anointing. After the Holy Spirit came upon him, the anointing changed his life. And the Holy Spirit enabled him to make a serious comeback and made him a soul winner. And a church builder. Not a money maker. The Holy Spirit that we are saying is the Holy Spirit today. It's not the Holy Spirit many times. Because there are alternatives to the Holy Spirit. Yes. There are alternatives to the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit... Those alternatives to the Holy Spirit is not the Spirit of God, but another Spirit. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? The alternatives. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. I wish we read from verse 11. Let's read from verse 11. What man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? What, what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Verse 12. Verse 12. Are you with me, please? Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Amen. Amen. The spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Amen. Amen. Now notice in verse 12, if you are reading your Bible with me, we have received not the spirit of the world. So a spirit you could possibly receive apart from the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the world. This is an alternative to the Holy Spirit. Are you, are you listening? Yeah. So every pastor can and could receive the spirit of the world. 
instead of the Holy Spirit. Yes. <laughs> yes. Unless we are reading, it's a nice, look at it there. It's very clear. Yeah. Like, sometimes you get on an airplane and you say, this is the flight to Johannesburg. Because you can get on the wrong flight. They can give you food and you realize they gave you the wrong one. You can order chicken and you get pork. You can receive something that is also food but not the food you wanted. When it comes to the spirit, you can receive a spirit but not the Holy Spirit. The spirit of the world. And what does a spirit do when it comes? A spirit shows you, leads you, shows you things that are from where that spirit is from. So when you see the spirit of God, you, you are shown the things from the spirit of God. Now, when you receive the world spirit, spirit of the world, you are shown the things from the world. That is why today you see pastors talking about money all the time, talking about how to make your first million dollars, how, how to have abundance of whatever, all the time, and the emphasis, the emphasis is on that. Everything in the world. Well, the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. But if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's the same spirit. Is it the alternative to the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the world. Yes. It's, it's the possible one. You could chicken or pork. You could easily get pork when you were intended chicken. And you could easily get the spirit of the world when you intended the Holy Spirit. Yes. That is why, you know, the church is full of uh, worldly people. Because the pastor has the spirit of the world. And he's imparting worldly desires. He's imparting an interest in the world. Interest in cars. Interest in houses. Interest in money. Interest in success. Interest in earthliness. And worldliness. This worldy. World of this world. You hear it from the pulpit. And you, you, it is called prosperity and what have you. And you hear pastors tell, saying things like, you know, uh, Jesus spoke more about money than about any other thing. You know, if you want to tell a lie, at least tell a lie we can believe. Don't tell lies that are so absurd and so stupid. Fantastic. Recently, Benny Hinn came out on television and was uh, saying something about, money, you know, 
that he thinks that it offends the spirit. And then other people have also come out to say whatever. But you see, what I will also say is that the scripture teaches us all the things that the people are saying. If it's about giving, the scripture teaches to give. If it's about prosperity, the scripture teaches us that we will prosper. And we are blessed. We believe in If we didn't believe in prosperity, if we didn't have prosperity, how can we come here to have a crusade? Nobody having given us any brought our own tracks and cattle that has promised any money. Nobody is giving it. We have brought our own tracks and cattle. We came from Ghana. We have driven here with trucks and convoys and people. We have driven all the way here preaching to you different towns. We are paying our own accommodation. We are feeding ourselves. Nobody is giving us anything. We just take normal offerings as we take in a church. If we didn't have money, do you think we can come here? We are coming to give you books at less than 10% of the price. Come on, let's be serious. Let's be serious. Yes. We believe in prosperity and we are prosperous. The evidence of the prosperity is the work that we are doing. Yes. But you see that many people, yes, they are gifted and they have the blessing of God, but the desire for money and the emphasis on money, you know, has changed the ministry and there's a spirit of the world. And there's a desire, instead of a desire for things like church growth, instead of a desire for for things like soaring, there's a desire for earthly achievements that compares, that's why pastors will be quoting from Bill Clinton's um, biography and Obama's uh, writings and Encyclopedia Britannica and such books which have nothing to do with the church. Yes. The people in the world are more interesting to us than even great prophets and great men of God. Instead of reading the biographies of evangelists and being attracted to soul winning, the things that the Holy Spirit brings, we are not interested in that. We are interested in the world. What car do you have? Wow. I, I hear it has a 29 cylinders and it, can, it, it has air conditioners coming out of the tires. Wow. I hear there's this and there's, wow. It can fly. It can ride. It can do this. It can turn C and U and S 10. It can go through water. This is what we are interested in. That is why you have our prophets prophesying and I'll tell you, don't criticize these prophets. Me, I like prophets. So. Those of you who just start criticizing, there's something wrong with your mouth. Because somebody can easily also call you a false prophet. Yes. They just have to analyze you a little and you see that you are a false prophet. It's true. Like what I'm preaching now. I'm telling you, you preach worldly stuff. The most worldly you have introduced a, a grasping, money-looking-for spirit in the church. Which people have done it more than those of us who claim to be preaching faith and prosperity. We are the chief cardinal false prophets. 
who have misled the church into an earthly, lukewarm state. That it is today that other religions are taking over in every nation. Who is a false prophet? Be careful. I would be happy if God would show me your ATM number. Yes, if God is showing people's ATM numbers. Pray for that gift. And, and don't just criticize things. Pray for a gift. I would like to have such a gift. <laughs> because, it, because it is biblical to, 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 to have prophecies. You see, Jesus told Nathan, I saw you under a tree. I saw you. That's what converted him and made him become a disciple of Jesus Christ. He told the woman of Samaria, it is not one husband, you have five. Wow! I said, yes, you have five husbands. Whoa! How did you know? Did you see me? He said, look, I know many things. That's a word of knowledge. Yes. It's the same gift that we have. But then, it just as a normal preacher becomes so money-minded and so money-conscious, a normal preacher like any, any of us, the prophet also, it's a, it's a good gift we want. It also becomes so money-minded. Everything is about money. They never prophesy about soul winning. They never prophesy about, I see you in Niger on the mission trip. You don't, you don't hear such prophecies. After showing us your ATM number, they don't tell us, I see you becoming an evangelist and winning souls in Rwanda. No, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. And the same way we also, with our teachings and whatever, when we are teaching, we don't teach that you go into the world and preach the gospel. I'm sending you as missionaries. Go here, go. There's nothing like that. It's stay here and prosper. Yes. So in the same way, it's a false, it's also a false, we are false teachers. Yes. We are false teachers. Yeah. And that's why the church is so poor. Because God is not blessing that, you know. God is not blessing. You've never seen a group of poor people like pastors today. Always preaching about money and never having money. Yes. Yeah. Hey. Are you still here? I thought you were leaving. So pray, you, those of you who've been criticizing prophets, shut up and pray that God will give you the word of knowledge. That when you look at somebody, you see a monkey sitting on the shoulder and say, wow! Then it means your eyes have opened. Pray for the gifts. Those are the real gifts we are. All of us, our gifts have been corrupted by the desire for money. Yes. These are real gifts that we, we, got to, we really need to have and to see, to use to work for God. Yes, the fact that people have changed things, you know, doesn't mean that it's not a real thing. Yes. It doesn't mean that it's not real. Pray that God will rather show you real gifts. Blessings. Are you still here? I, I thought you were leaving. Okay. So, I was showing you in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, that we have not received the spirit of the world. 
That's how we got into all this. The spirit of the world. You have to receive the spirit of God. And that spirit, when there's a spirit in you, it influences you in a particular. That's why this book is The Sweet Influences. The influences. The things that the spirit makes you do. Amen. Amen. So both Jesus and um, the disciples, their lives changed when the Holy Spirit came. And your life is also going to change. Then also, Elisha. Remember Elisha and Elijah. As soon as Elijah was about to go to heaven, Elisha asked Elijah, what do you want? What do you want? You know, some of us here, if we were asked this question, you know, you would have said, I want your car. Yes, I want your car. Can I have your car, please, if you are leaving? Yeah, can I have your car? Some would have said, can I have your ATM card? Some would have said, can I have your house? Some would have even said, can I have your wife? Amen? It, it depends. No, you may not be happy to have the person's wives. A, a lot of pastor's wives cause, cause a lot of tr- trouble. So you may not be so happy to be inherit the wife. Don't ask for the wife. <laughs> you know, I wrote a book about that. Yeah, bring it. <laughs> don't ask for the wife. Ask for the cow, but don't ask for the wife. <laughs> this book is called The Beauty, The Beast, and The Pastor. Yes. They, they, they say behind every great man is a great woman. I don't believe that. Behind... Every great, behind many great men, there are many troublesome women. But pastors are afraid to say that. (laughs) Because if you say that, it's like, wow, people look at you. Do you have problems? Yes. But the truth is that behind many pastors is a trouble, especially senior pastors. Yes who have nobody to, to add, talk to their wife. Their wife is like, the, they are the king and the wife is the queen. She's the queen. And nobody can talk to the queen. She does whatever she wants. Yes. And you cannot advise. You cannot speak. Yeah. So, it is, it is many pastors need authority to control the wife, but it's like it's like a, it's like the, their home is like a football match without a referee. Yes. There's no referee. Yes, that is why you see them taking pictures, husband and wife smiling, same anything. Then the next moment you hear they're announcing they are getting divorced. Yes. And you wonder all along what is happening. Yes. And all along it's just the same game of giving a good impression. But behind the scenes, there's a lot of 
quarreling, arguing, and you see the wife looking gentle. You know, women have looked very nice. Women are nicer than men. How many have noticed that women look nicer? The man always looks evil. You know, have you ever thought of it? Abraham and Sarah were going to Egypt. And Abraham told her that we are a couple. You know, when we get there, they will try to kill me and leave you. <laughs> it's like I am the bad person they will, they will want to kill. Yes. I know it. Because you are so beautiful. Yes. Meanwhile, he was the man of faith. She was the one who was laugh, laughing at prophecies. But they will, they will kill him and leave him. Because he looks like dangerous. Hey. So pastor's wives, this book, The Beauty, The Beast, and The Pastors. Hey. There are pastors who are married to Jezebels. Jezebels and Atalias. Jezebel is the daughter of Je- Atalia is the daughter of Jezebel. It's called the eliminator. She eliminates people. Yes. You go, you out, you, no, you, no. You'll not be here. Powerful queens. Yes. Powerful queens. Yes. And before you realize, the man of God has changed from how he was originally supposed to be. You see, Ahab was not a murderer. Ahab was not a murderer. He would never have been a murderer. When he negotiated with Naboth for his vineyard, Naboth said, look, I'm not selling. Maybe later, but now I cannot sell. When he went home and Jezebel spoke to him, the Bible says, there was none who did sell himself to wickedness like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. She stirred him up. Stir it up. We have a song called Stir it up. She stirred him up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yes. So, pastor's wives, you know, you know, we are all falling. It's not that men are falling and women are almost falling. No, we are all falling beings. Evil is in all of us. Amen. It's not in the, in the pastor and not in the wife. The evil is in both. So we are both a team of fallen people working together. Evil is equally in us. It manifests differently, but it is there. So when you see a picture of the pastor and his wife, don't feel that that's the evil and that's the good. Good and evil are taking a picture. No. <laughs> are you there or you are leaving? All right. Amen. All right. The Holy Spirit. Now, Elisha, Elijah, and Elisha, Elisha said, 
I need the Holy Spirit. I need and stew of the anointing on my life. Give me, please. Give me, please. Give me. And he had it. And he did more. So tonight, the Holy Spirit is coming on you. And I want to say from today, I want to give you a prayer topic. And that prayer topic is very simple. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Luke 11 verse 13. Luke 11 13. Luke eleven thirteen. Yeah. If ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Amen. Yes. The best good gift you can receive from God is the Holy Spirit. If you were to ask God for a very good gift, a very good gift, a very good gift, it would be the Holy Spirit. Yeah. This is what pastors don't realize. Jesus said, you evil man, you Peter, evil. I know what's in you. You want a good gift. You know what is good you give to your children. How much more the father will give a good gift? What is the good gift? The Holy Spirit. Amazing. Therefore, if there was any good gift that you could have here in Francis Town, any good gift, I tell you, it would be the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the anointing. When, when I say anointing and Holy Spirit, I'm talking about the same thing. Why? Because Acts 10.38 says, how God, Acts chapter 10 verse 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ. Yes, doctor? How God, how God anointed Jesus mm-hmm. of Nazareth. Yes. With the Holy Ghost yes. and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Wow. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus with what? Engine oil? No. Olive oil? No. Coconut oil? No. The Holy Ghost. Yes. The Holy Ghost is the anointing that you'll be anointed with. Yes. Holy Spirit is the anointing that you'll be anointed with. So God anoints you with the Holy Spirit. That's the best, Luke eleven thirteen. the best good gift God can give you today in Francistown in 2019 is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you. So I would, I would say to you, pray for the Holy Spirit for hours. Don't be tired of praying. Pray, Lord, give me the Holy Spirit. Start and stop with the praying for the Holy Spirit. Pray for it, I tell you, because the Holy Spirit does many things 
It's not, it's an invisible influence that changes everything about your life and your ministry. It's the best thing you can ask for. And you, you look at what Jesus said. They, they asked him, teach us how to pray. This is what his response was. This was a discussion on prayer. And then he says, look, the best good gift is the Holy Spirit or the anointing. So that's why when I come today and I am teaching you the anointing, this one, this anointing of the Spirit, I'm teaching you the best topic, catching the anointing. The anointed and his anointing. It's, it's something that you can listen to over and over and over for a long time. Your life will be changed. I believe it. I really do. I really do. Now, I want to go through very quickly the influences of the Spirit. That is from this book. What are the things that the Holy Spirit would influence you? This one is called Sweet Influences of the Anointing. Number one, or one of them, is the influence on the Holy, of the Holy Spirit on your prayer life. It says in Romans 8.26, the Spirit helps our infirmities. Amen. And what is our infirmity? We know not what we should pray for as we ought. You see, but what? But. Huh? The Spirit itself maketh intercession. Amen. Amen. So the Spirit, whatever this means, the Spirit is involved in prayer. You see? And then the Spirit helps us. The Spirit helps us. So the Holy Spirit helps our infirmities in terms of prayer. Many of us don't pray much. Many of us don't pray much. Yes. Many of us don't pray much. You cannot do much without praying much. Look, you don't need a teaching on prayer. You need to pray. That's all. You just need to pray. Now, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 verse 4, it says, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit... See, so the tongues they were speaking, this is how the the Spirit was giving them words. I can stand here and pray for three hours easily. I can stand here and pray for five hours easily. I can stand in my room and pray for eight hours. I just stand and I stand and I pray for eight hours. 
not to problem at all. I stay in the same place and I pray. Eight hours, three hours, five hours. It's not a problem at all. It's not a problem at all. There is nothing like ministry without praying. And listen, that when the Spirit is coming to influence you and to help you, he helps you to pray. Don't have any delusions about what I'm talking about. Praying. There's nothing like praying. Cannot substitute it. Nobody can pray for you. Nobody can do it. It's like my son is a doctor, but he had to do his own exams. Even though I was a doctor, he could not, I could not do the exam for him. He had to do it himself. Yes. There's no, nobody can pray. So I've prayed for you. You see, people can pray for you, but no one can replace what you need to do. So rise up and pray. And become a prayerful minister. Everyone should know. When you are in the ministry, you must pray for three hours, five hours, seven hours. You see, I started praying like that when I was in secondary school. The, the time was 10 to 5, 10 to 5 all the time. The, during the day, 10 to 5, 10 to 5, 10 to 5. That's how I used to pray in secondary school. Do you do O-level here, O-level, A-level? Yeah, when I was doing O-level and A-level, 10 to 5 is the time that I pray. Yeah, 10 to 5. Start at 10, close at 5 in the evening. Seven. I, was a, I was a teenager. That's how I've been praying. Hmm? Yes. So, you, you, you are here. You want to be anointed. When the Spirit comes, you should know that it is the Spirit that is leading you more to pray. And you need to, you need to move more into prayer if your life and your ministry is going to change. So, that is, that is the, the first influence of the Spirit is that he, he actually makes you... The idea to pray... <laughs> comes from the Holy Spirit. Are you there? The next one, and all this is in my book. I'm now in chapter 5 of my book. The sweet influence of the Holy Spirit is on your ability to be holy. Your ability to be holy. Amen. Are you there? Now, when you become anointed, supernaturally, the Holy Spirit will help you to be holy. Most of us are not holy. True or not true? First Peter 1 verse 2. According to the foreknowledge 
of the Spirit. Mm, Doctor, read it for me, please. First Peter 1, verse 2, in the American Bible, if you have it. First, first Peter chapter 1, verse 2. First Peter chapter, chapter 1, 1 verse, two. verse 2. In the New American Standard Bible. Verse 2. According to the knowledge of God, mm. the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Let's read it again. These are verses you don't normally read. Tell the truth. Is it not true you don't normally read this verse? I need honesty, please. First Peter chapter 1 verse 2. New American Standard Bible. Yes. According to the foreknowledge yes. of God the Father, mm-hmm. by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Sanctifying work of the Spirit. Or if you want to use the King James Bible, the sanctification of the Spirit. So the Spirit sanctifies. Wow. It's a work of the Spirit to make you holy. So the Spirit helps you to be holy. Yes. Hmm. And most of us are not holy. To obey Jesus Christ Mm. and be sprinkled with his blood. Mm. Galatians 5 verse 16. But this I say. But this I say. Walk in the spirit. I'm talking of the anointing. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So when you become anointed. He, the Holy Spirit helps you to be holy. Most of us cannot stay away from fornication. Yes. True or not true? true. Shall I call your name? Yes. Shall I call your name? Yes. Oh, you think I'm not you think I can't call names a prophesy? Tell your neighbor, he knows about you. Yes. Some of the most dignified looking people, especially those who wear glasses. Don't, you know. (laughs) You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. I don't know why some people look holier than others. How many have realized that some people have a sort of holiness feeling around them? You'll be surprised. But the Holy Spirit helps you to be holy. Yeah. So pray for the Spirit. Otherwise, your life will be a string of corruption. Yes, your life will be littered with corruption and sin mixed with 
trying to serve the Lord. Yes. And you see that it doesn't let you serve the Lord. Because the Bible says that if the foundations are removed, what can the righteous do? He can't do much. And you see, God rewards us openly for what happens secretly. You know, one day there was um, a conference in, um, for evangelists. Evangelists. And they, they were brought to a, a big conference from all over the world. To, um, I think it was in Amsterdam. Now, when they came and they left, the hotel where they stayed had the highest income from pornographic movies that the hotel, you know, they have this where you can watch a film on the side and pay for it, apart from the TV. The hotel had the highest income <laughs> from the pornographic movies. The pastors were just overwhelmed, the evangelists. <laughs> yes. So, we are human beings. And I tell you, the anointing is needed to help us to be holy. So, in your desire for the anointing, you should know what the anointing does. Yes. Anointing makes you holy. If you walk in the spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I tell you that there is no ministry that you can do when you remove the foundations, the things will collapse and they will break. Yeah. So, the anointing is changing your life. Sweet influences of the Holy Spirit. How many want more of the anointing? Beautiful. Now, the next is, the anointing influences your spiritual strength. Amen. Your strength. Now, what do we use spiritual strength for? Spiritual strength is used. So, I'm talking about the influence of the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your spiritual strength. Now, your strength spiritually is shown by the things you can do. I once had a bodyguard who could lift my car. Yes, he could lift the car up. He was very strong. Very strong. I watched him lift my car. Yes. Hey. One day I went to play golf somewhere and they, some people came rushing and he just lifted the person and just, you know, he just threw him somewhere else. He was very strong. So, your spiritual strength shows 
in the things you can do. Yes, spiritually. Yes. So, the fact that you can accomplish certain feats in the spirit or spiritually shows how strong you are. It's true. Amen. Are you there? Yes. Now, the fact that you can build a church to a certain size reveals your strength. Yeah, because it's a spiritual activity. The fact that you can conduct a crusade shows a certain amount of strength. The fact that you can conduct a crusade in a certain kind of environment shows a certain amount of strength. The fact that you can be successful in certain countries where there's a lot of negativity shows your strength. Yes, because it's a spiritual activity, it's a spiritual work. Your accomplishments in the spirit show how strong you really are. The people you can lead spiritually show the strength that you actually do have. Now, we love watching films like Rambo and Jackie Chan and so on because he's able to withstand so many things at the same time. So when you can do many things at the same time, it shows how strong you are spiritually. You can do this, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. You see, as I'm standing here, I'm writing books and I'm prophesying books to you. I am having crusades. I am uh, building churches. I have a church here in Francis Town. Yeah. And I have thousands of members in, in, in Botswana. Thousands. Yes. And many pastors. So the people you can lead, you see, whereas maybe you can only lead eight people or 12 people, it shows how strong you are. That's why I said that when my bodyguard lifted the car, I saw the tires going up. I said, yes. And he doesn't have backache after. Then it shows you that it's strong. So the things you can do, and sometimes at the same time, when Jackie Chan is fighting, he, he beats everybody around him. At the same time, that's a strength. And you are able to do only one little thing, and even that is just a small one. It shows your strength is small. Now, the Holy Spirit comes to increase your strength. When you become anointed, your ability to withstand many negative things at the same time and accomplish multiple things at the same time is a revelation of your strength, of your current strength. Yes. That's why in... 
Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 3 of Ephesians, it tells us in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees to the Spirit, to the Father, of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named, that he would grant you, hallelujah, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. You become stronger, made stronger by the spirit in the inner man. The fact that you are able to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to have words of knowledge, to tell people's ATM numbers. They are all part of your strength. Yes. It's true. Those of you who have not been seeing people's ATM numbers, pray for it. I have not yet seen anybody's ATM number, but I'm praying that God will also help me to see. And passport numbers and all these fantastic numbers. I tell you, I would love to have all those experiences. Yes. Me, I've always been attracted to uh, prophets. Kenneth Hagin is my best favorite. Yeah. He had visions of Jesus. He saw Jesus, not ATM numbers. He saw Jesus. (laughs) How strong are you? What can you, what can you, what can you survive? What can you survive? What attacks can you survive? What attacks can you survive? What can you recover from? What can you come out of when they beat you? Have you not watched Rambo? They beat him. And he came back. Without going to hospital, he came back. (laughs) He didn't go for any recovery. He just started fighting. That shows how strong you are in God. Some of you have given up too early. But by the anointing that you receive, you'll be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. And you become a stronger person, a stronger minister, able to carry on and persist and press on in God. To serve him. Yes. And you stop giving excuses. Said, oh, this is Africa. Oh, we don't have money. We don't have this. We don't have that. You stop saying all those things. And stop making up cock and bull stories. And giving yourself, excusing, excusing yourself always, why not? Why not? Why not? And you start saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. I can do it. I can do it. You know, almost every thing that I've seen in the ministry that looked far away, 
to me. And impossible. I have seen them, almost everything. Some things I haven't seen, but almost everything I've seen. And the reason I'm saying is that when God starts to give you a vision, the things look impossible. I think God says, I won't give you a big church. It, if it doesn't look impossible, it's usually not God. It, it has this impossible feeling always. When, when I wanted to have a church, a big church, you know, my current church, we have about five, 6,000 physical people, not computer records, humans that come on, on Sunday in the morning. Yes. And I always used to imagine, when can I have 5,000 people that just come and sit in one place? Not that you add up every service, you, you add different services during the week. Those who come on special program and add the chairs, many things, and write lies. You know, it looks impossible. But I'm seeing it. I'm having crusades. I, I, I never thought I could have it, but I said I'll do it. When the Holy Spirit spoke to me, go and have a crusade and pray for the sick always. He always told me, always pray for the sick. Yes. Many, almost every miracle that we read in the Bible, whether it's a um, bleeding woman with the issue of blood, or whether it is the blind, or whether it's even the dead. Yes. The day, one of the days that I saw the dead raised, the next day, they brought dead people to the crusade. That, that is what even shows you that the dead was raised. When I came the next day, they had put a dead man, there was a dead man by the, by the stage. The whole stadium was full. There were ambulances, more ambulances than cars. More cripples. I've never seen many as many cripples. Oh, yes. The man was covered with a white sheet up to his, his chest. Oh, yes. That even is what shows you that the dead was raised the day before. When I was leaving, about 25 soldiers who were guarding me, we all knelt down. We have never seen anything like this before. We want to give our lives to the God you are serving. <laughs> Hallelujah. God will empower you and strengthen you. To, I said, when I saw my bodyguard lifting the car, I said, yes, this is man is strong. The day he lifted the boy at the golf course and threw him away, I, I noticed the strength. I said, this man is extraordinarily strong. <laughs> you see, when you do things in the spirit, that's when we see this man is a strong spiritual man. You will be called a strong spiritual man from today in Jesus' name. Are you there? Beautiful. Now, the sweet influence of the Holy Spirit on your physical strength. Yes. Now, what you do physically is also affected by the spirit. 
Now, how can the spirit affect you physically? Spirits affect your physical. That's the reality. The Bible says seven sons of one man, Skiva, and a chief priest went to cast out devils. You remember the story? The man in whom the evil spirit was, Acts 9, 14, leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. (laughs) Now, an evil spirit, you see, are you listening? A spirit is in a person and gives the person so much physical strength that the last point was spiritual strength. I was not talking about your physical strength then. I was talking about the things you are able to do spiritually. The spiritual things you do are given to you or you, are, you can be stronger spiritually to do spiritual. Now I'm not talking about spiritual. I'm talking about physical now. Physical. And I'm showing you that the physical things you do can be affected by a spirit. Now here are seven sons of Skiva who have met one man with an evil spirit. He's able to naked all of them. He removed their shirts, removed their trousers, removed their panties, beat them up, wounded them, and dropped, and they all ran seven of them. And the one man was there. Not from any vitamins he had taken, but from a spirit. So that alone shows you that a spirit affects you physically. Yes. The madman of Gadara in in Mark 5 had the same experience. In Mark 5 and verse 3 says that, and no man could bind him. No, not with chains. When you bind him with chains, he will pluck them asunder. He will just pluck them. Chains. Superhuman strength from the presence of a spirit. Yes. I'm just proving to you that the spirit can affect the physical strength. Samson. The Bible says Samson went down and his father and his mother and a young lion roared on him. Judges 14 verse 5. And what happened? The spirit of the Lord came mightily on him. Huh? The Holy Spirit. Hey! And he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hands. The Holy Spirit came on Samson and he became so strong that he rant, rant means he tore the lion as though he was killing a, a, a small goat. And some of you don't know what it means. 
for a man to kill a lion, the lion's bite and the lion's strength. When you see a lion killing a giraffe or an elephant, it's, they, are, they are not small animals. They are very strong. The tooth is like this. It goes into you. It's like a long, the longest nail. That's where they hook you. And the bite is only the crocodile bite that is stronger. Very strong. They'll tear you into pieces. But Samson was anointed. And it affected him physically. I know from personal experience because I have been bitten by a lion before. Yes. As you see me standing here, I've been bitten by a lion before. But it was a baby lion. But a lion is still a lion. A lion is a lion. Yes. So, Samson became so strong physically. So, those of us who are experiencing a lot of weakness, the anointing, you'll be surprised, would probably make you stronger than you imagine. In Judges chapter 14, the Bible says in verse 19, the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon, and he killed 30 men. 30 is a lot of men. Huh? Let me see 30 men. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. 18, It's like virtually all these people. 31 person. I mean, you imagine 30 people. Can't you, can you not find time to kill this man after he's killed one or two? Come on, let's be serious. This guy was strong. Amen. Now, in Judges 15... Are you there? The Bible says in verse 14, and when he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was bent with fire and his bands loosed from off his hands and he found a jawbone of an ass And he put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men. (laughs) Are you there? Is it amazing? Yes. Now, from today, those of you who cannot wake up in the morning, God is giving you spiritual strength to be strong. You can't wake up. After a short time, you are tired. You can't work for God. 
Sundays, you have to go home early. You have to go for lunch. You have to stop. Is everything, take your time. Let's do it next week. We have to rest. We have to go for vacation. We have to go for holiday. You see, you need physical strength also to do the work of God. Yes. Without physical strength, you can't do what we have to do. Yes. When we were in Zimbabwe for crusade, we were there for 30 days or 31 days. Every night. Crusade in different towns. Marondera, Kwekwe, Kadoma, Bait Bridge, Bulawayo, I mean, Bindura, Harare, Mashvingo, Sijavani, everywhere. Town after town. We finish, we pack, we go to the next town. Finish, we pack, we go to the Some of you would have had two days, three days. Ah, I need to go for vacation with my family. Yeah. You have no strength for the work of God. And that is why the work of God is not accomplished because a lot of the work of God needs physical strength. That's why young people are called to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. From a certain age, you see that you are tired. You say, oh, let me sleep. Let me rest. One day I went, I was invited somewhere to preach a conference. When I got there, the pastor who invited me, he introduced me to preach and he sat down in the front here. And then he adjusted himself on the chair. And then he closed his eyes. And he went to sleep. And his wife also was there. She also adjusted herself like that and went to sleep. And I was preaching. And the second day, they did the same thing. For three days. You know, and I got angry. But at a point, the Holy Spirit me, calm down. These people are older. They are getting ready for eternity. They are practicing how to sleep for a long time. So, instead of getting angry, I just went to the side and I was preaching to the people at the back, at the back of the pastors. Yes. Because, you see, as you get older, you need more sleep. Yes. You need more, they, they have to rest. So I left them to rest whilst I was preaching. Hey! Listen, strength is needed for this work. And when the anointing comes on you, he will enable you to work hard. Hard work. To pray. It takes a lot of physical strength, physical, to pray. In fact, the sign, when, the way I know that I'm not well, it's when I can't pray. That's the, that's the cardinal sign for me that I'm not feeling, I'm not myself. Is that it, the first thing it affects is that I can't pray. Because I need some, there's some strength that is needed to pray. Yes. Strength is needed to pray. And that's why when the Holy Spirit comes, it makes you strong to do the work of God. Yes. So, the anointing that is coming on your life is coming on you to make you strong so that you can serve the Lord. Can I have an amen? Amen. Now, the next effect of the anointing is that effect on your intelligence. 
The Holy Spirit affects your intelligence. Now, intelligence is made up of wisdom, understanding, knowledge. Yes. Your wisdom, your understanding, your knowledge. Now, the Holy Spirit helps your intelligence. Your wisdom, your understanding, your knowledge. Isaiah 11, verse 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Now notice, verse 3, and shall make him, shall make him of quick understanding. You understand things quickly. You understand things quickly. Instead of taking a long time to understand a simple thing in the Bible, Wow! It's an effect of the anointing. It's to make you of quick understanding. The spirit of the Lord shall be upon him. The spirit of wisdom, that's verse 2. The Isaiah 11 verse 2. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge. All these are spirits. You may think, oh, this is just education. No. It is a spirit. And then it shall make you of quick understanding. I mean, this is from the spirit. That's why, that's why I say, if you are to ever pray for something, pray for the Holy Spirit. I mean, that is the topic I will, I, will, I will give you to pray. Yes. Pray for the spirit. Spend three hours to just pray for the Holy Spirit. And he will start to lead you. Now, notice Isaiah 11 verse 2. You see, the Holy Spirit, he affects mostly your way of thinking. Yes. Yes. That's why these books is the greatest gift that you could have. These books. The greatest gift. The Macarius. Yes. If you have the time to read. If you read. It's a great gift because it is, for, it is for those who are interested in God and in the ministry. Yes. That's the, the, so the Holy Spirit, if he, the Holy Spirit is working, he, he works through the spirit of wisdom. And you see, those people say, I've received the anointing, I've power. People are going to fall down. Listen. Look at the spirit that is there. Out of the seven spirits mentioned, only one has to do with power, the spirit of might. The rest have to do with your mind. The rest has to do with your mind. Knowledge, understanding, counsel, the fear of the Lord, wisdom, it has to do with your thinking. So when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he influences the way you think and the way you reason. This is, your reasoning is greatly affected. Yes. You know, many people cannot prosper because they believe so much in loans. I don't know if you have this loan loan thing here. 
in this country. I don't know if you have it here. Yeah. If the Holy Spirit is teaching you about how you can be in the ministry and work for God without having loans, you can prosper. But you see, it takes a conversion of your understanding and of your wisdom and of your knowledge. Yes. That is why people don't prosper. Because to believe that borrowing money is actually a curse. Because in the blessing of Deuteronomy 28, I will bless you and you shall lend. And you shall not borrow. So the blessing is actually, it's not just, it's not just an act. But it's an act which is actually declared as a blessing. is to lend. And therefore, the curse is to borrow. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Are you you here or you are leaving? Yes. The key to your ministry, the key, is the knowledge, the understanding. I know something you don't know. That's why I'm doing what you are not doing. I'm, I'm nothing, but I know something that you don't know. That's how I can, I can do something that you cannot do. That, that is it. Luke 11, verse 52. Luke 11, verse 52. Look at it. Look at Luke 11, verse 52. It says, Woe unto you, lawyers. You have taken away the key of what? Knowledge. Knowledge is a key. It's the key to the door of your life, your ministry, your fruitfulness, your prosperity, your increase, your anointing, the key. It says, you have taken away the key of knowledge. It is the only thing in the Bible called a key. I mean, think about it. The only thing in the Bible called a key is knowledge. Yes. Yes. So, if you look at these books, the the knowledge that is here is a key to something. For instance, in this book, How to Neutralize Curses. You know, many people don't believe in the curse, what they call the curse of harm. They say, we are not cursed. Are you cursed? I'm not cursed. That's what they make fun. Are you cursed? I'm not cursed. The more you make fun of things that are in the Bible, the more you endanger yourself and the more likely that you catch it. Oh, I'm not afraid of snakes. Are you afraid of snakes? Oh, but this is nothing. I saw a, 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 a couple. They went to, uh, they went to say they, were, they wanted to learn how to be wildlife rangers. So they came to, I don't know which country. I don't think it was Botswana. I think Zambia, one of those other countries. They went there. They went for training. Then, whilst they were in the class, a black mamba was seen outside. You know, so they went outside. Everybody left the class all the, with the teacher, and they went outside. You know, and I think they tried to encourage the snake to go away, or I don't know what it was. So, but there was a little scuffle, and slight the, 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 the black mama touched one. The white people, British guys, touched the guy. Just a little, just a slight snitch, not even a, a bite. So they looked at it and they said, "It's nothing." You see, 
The more you say things are nothing. They look, he said, it's nothing. And there was nothing on it. So they went, they continued the class. As the teacher was teaching, 20 minutes, the, the man was sitting like this, 20 minutes, and he just went off like that. 20 minutes, he was dead. 20 minutes. So the more you say things of oh, this, nothing. That's when it even affects you more. You should have started running to the hospital rather than saying, oh, what is, this is not, uh, this is nothing. Oh, I mean, this is wow. Yeah. The curses, this book, How to Neutralize Curses. What can explain our situation? What can explain Botswana? All your diamonds, all your gold, all your riches, everything, what can explain? What can explain Africa? What can explain the country I come from, Ghana? You know, Ghana, eh? if you ever want a rich country, come to Ghana. Hey, we were, our original name was Gold Coast. It's the, it's the only country that has been called gold in the whole world. <laughs> There's gold everywhere. Yes, even after we are there still, we are now the largest producer of gold in Africa. In spite of all the gold that has been taken out in Swiss banks, we are the largest. We have oil. You can walk on the, on the, road, on the, on the forest in Ghana and you see oil coming out of there. We don't have to go deep. It is on the top. Those are ways. It's coming to you. Yes. Amazing. But we are one of the poorest countries in the world. What can explain it? What can explain Zimbabwe? Ah. Look at Zimbabwe now. Beautiful country. Beautiful. Yes. So those of you who say, oh, it's nothing. It's that you'll be sitting there 20 minutes later. You go off. There are real cases that are working. And when, um, what's his name? When the Jews said, let his blood be on us. You know, people don't realize when they are speaking curses, the effect of it. Eh? People don't know what they are saying. When they took them, you know, if I ever get a chance to go with you to Israel, I will take you to the Yad Vashem Memorial. When we so you hold Deuteronomy 28. And you open and you read. As you see the things. You see the verses in the Bible being fulfilled one after the other. Like that. You read it. It says you shall be oppressed. No one shall help you. This will happen. This will happen. You, the, the child that comes out of you. You will not enjoy your children. They will be taken out. away. One of my mother's best friends is a Jew. She, was, she, she remembers she was put on a train. She was put on a train from Germany and sent to England. She never saw her parents again. And she, she married a Ghanaian and she lived in Ghana up till today. She's there. Ish, it's something. So you give birth, you, you give them away. Yeah, she doesn't know where they are. The, the things are real. So people, people joke with curses. Me I, me, I fear these things. And I know they are real. Yeah. It's good to fear it. You must have a proper respect for curses. <laughs> yeah. 
How to Neutralize Curses. A very important book. Knowledge. Knowledge can help you. Yes, it's a key. It's a key. Your ministry. All these books on loyalty. Are we having a conference tomorrow as well? Loyalty. Tomorrow we'll be sharing about that. But all these things on loyalty, they are very important. The art of leadership. Yes. How you lead. It's how we lead. That is what generates poverty. So the art of leadership, the style, there's a way we go about things. Most of us don't realize and understand how it is that we lead. Yes, I'm leading. I, I have churches in 90 countries, 94. They are all my own disciples that have trained and I send them. It's not a franchise. No, no, please, please. Don't clap. It's not a franchise. You know, like how I have KFC, so a, a, a Botswana Muslim can form a KFC and just bring the name. You get it? No. It is our people that have been trained. Go here, go here, go here, go here. And it's the same church across. So when I'm talking about leadership, I'm talking about something that we have experienced, experiencing, the art of leadership. This is one of my popular books. Read it. It's a blessing. We brought it so that you'll be blessed. A good general. The good general is a blessing for you. I'll be ending in a few minutes. Please take note as I, as, I, as I end. So the influence of the Holy Spirit is very important on your intelligence. And I believe that God is changing your intelligence. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Then the influence of the Spirit on your emphasis. What you emphasize in the ministry. Now, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Jerusalem. So as soon as the Spirit comes on you, you become witnesses. Witnesses. You start witnessing. Today, very few evangelists exist in the world. Very few pastors preach about salvation in their churches. What do we emphasize? Huh? Money and what else? Good life, prosperity, happiness, breakthroughs. Yes. The emphasis of what you are emphasizing, the emphasis, what you emphasize, shows the spirit that is working in you. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, when the Spirit comes on you, what are you going to emphasize? What are you going to do? You are going to become a witness of Jesus. And then you are going to travel from Jerusalem. You travel to Judea. Then you go to Samaria. Then you go to the uttermost parts of the world preaching. So I believe I am here because the Holy Spirit has, is influencing me to be here. Yes. You know, pastors, I want to say something to you before we close. You know, a pastor's work is a little unusual in the sense that you sort of have to have your own vision. Because otherwise, you, you, you can achieve 
what you think you are going to achieve very quickly and you, it's as if you have nothing to do. Because, you see, you can have a church and you have enough money to eat or you even do business on the side or you work on the side and it's like there's no pressure or stress. Do you see? So, if God's word doesn't lead you or push you and you don't, you don't get that vision from God, very soon, it's as if there is nothing to do. But you see, when you see the word, it says, Jerusalem, everybody's ministry, I believe, has four phases. Kenneth Hagin, in a vision, Jesus appeared to him. And you can read it for yourself. Eh? I believe in visions. There's a book called I Believe in Visions. You can get it. It's a good book by Kenneth Hagin. Okay? Will you get it? All these things I'm saying. Or you're going to get Bill Clinton's biography. Hmm. and Obama's wife's book. In this book, Kenneth Higgins, the Lord appeared to him and told him that everyone's ministry has four phases. And you can see the four phases here. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria phase, and uttermost parts of the world phase. I believe that I'm getting into the uttermost phase now my ministry. Yes. And it keeps you moving. It keeps you moving. You must move. That's why people are dying. And ministry is closing down before your very eyes. It's becoming smaller, more difficult. People are not coming. It's because you are not moving. Water that doesn't move becomes stale. It becomes difficult to drink. You will not like to drink. You prefer to drink running water than water that has been standing there. And the spirit moves. And he, he leads you and he emphasizes that you need to be witnesses. And he keeps you moving. If you are with the spirit, you see that you are moving. There's always something new that is humbling you and making you move on. When I started having crusade, I was humbled by, I have to learn how to even evangelize. This book here has become one of my most popular books here. It's called How to Preach Salvation. It's, it's for pastors and evangelists. Pastor, you must know how to preach salvation. People can preach 1 John 3, 2. Is it, that the right verse? 1 John 2. Third John 2. Third John 2. But they can't preach John 3.16. You know, I had one. D.L. Moody was preaching John 3.16 for six weeks. John 3.16. Hey. Most pastors, we cannot preach John 3.16. If I give you preach John 3.16, after five minutes, your preaching will be finished. But if I give you third John 2, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in hell. That your anointing will come proper. Yes. So, how you can preach salvation. Yesterday night, I preached salvation. Were you there yesterday? Did you enjoy the preaching on salvation? 
I preach Jesus, the Savior, and Healer. It's one of the chapters in this. Every night I preach from this book. Every night I preach. Every crusade I preach from this book. Yes. Jesus, the Savior, and the Healer of the world. That's all. Simple. Is it not beautiful? Yes. That's the, that's the message we have for the whole world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. What other new thing do you want to come up with? What else do you want to come up with? This is what we have. We are called to preach Jesus is the Savior and the healer of the world. Amen. Amen. So I need you to, I need you to open your heart. Amen. Amen. And realize that when the Spirit comes on you, he influences you, number one, to, to, to witness to learn how to preach salvation and to preach pure salvation. Somebody was telling me that I am preaching basics. I'm preaching basics. I said, wow. He said, I don't have revelation. I'm preaching basics. Wow. You see, a lot of people who think they have advanced, they are actually backslidden. They are backslidden. I'm preaching the, the real gospel. You tell me that I'm preaching basics. Can it ever change? I mean, you think about it. Jesus died for us. How can it change? What's going to change about that? Others, when the Holy Spirit is in you, He will tell you that there are some people in Judea, apart from the people you reach in Jerusalem, there are some waiting in Judea, and there are some waiting in Samaria, and there are some waiting in the uttermost parts of the earth for a Botswana person. Don't say, oh, it's an American. American are going to... No! You are the one going to the ends of the world. If you are waiting for American to come and do... Very few Americans are going to go in anywhere now, eh? Yes, very few. Very few. You must rise up. Don't think of somebody. So, he will do it. Oh, they will do it. Oh, she will do it. Everybody's saying he will, she will, he will, and then in the end, nobody does it. That's why I have come to preach. I'm also preaching. And I say, oh, Bonke will do it. This one will do it. I don't know if anybody is going to do it. I've come. Because I read for myself. Go ye into all the world. Let's stop saying, here am I. Send them. No. Here am I. Send me. Send me. Use me. Amen. Tell them. If you are interested in the Holy Spirit's influence, you'll be interested in such a book. 120 reasons why you should be a soul winner. Tell them. You'll be interested. You'll be interested in this word, anakazo, which means to compel people to Jesus. You'll be interested. When the Holy Spirit is, when the Spirit of the world is on you, you'll be interested in Michelle Obama's books to find out about her life. How to be a first lady. I'm teaching how you can preach salvation. Amen. Are you still here? Yes. Hmm. The Holy Spirit is influencing you. Amen. Amen. And finally, the Holy Spirit 
influence on your church growth and ministry achievements. Yes. Now, after the Holy Spirit came on them in Acts chapter 2, what happened? In Acts chapter 2, the church in Acts chapter 2 from verse 41, the Bible says that 3,000 people, 3,000 people were added to the church. Hmm? One, the Holy Spirit landed within one hour, 3,000 people had come. <laughs> Can you imagine? The flight from heaven came, arrived at the Botswana airport. And the who was on board? The Holy Ghost. Within one hour, 3,000 people were in the church. Wow. Clap for the Holy Spirit. Clap for the Holy Spirit. So, these wonderful books here, the mega church, will be of great interest to you. The mega church. Church growth. And church planting. If the Holy Spirit is in you. But if the spirit of the world is in you. Which is the alternative. Remember this. If you don't remember anything. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12. That we have not received the spirit of the world. To last after the things in the world. But we have received the spirit of God. That we might know the things which are given to us of God. The spirit of God is showing us things of God. And the spirit of the world is telling us the things that are in the world. The investments. The securitization of future earnings. The equity. The loans. The investments. The banks. The savings and loans companies. The, the what? The, the, the bonds. The mortgages. The hedging. Hey! A lot of wet salads. <laughs> yes. But the Spirit of God is showing us the things that are of God. The souls that can be won. The power of God. The things of God. The ministry of Jesus Christ. The love of Jesus Christ. The love of God himself. That's what the Spirit is showing us. And so your, your, your new heart, your love for, 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 for God's church, to build his church. I will build my church. You know why, why, why everybody does everything except building the church? You know why? You know why? You see pastors who are selling beans, selling groundnuts, selling everything, doing every kind of business except focusing on the church. You know why? Because the Bible says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. That's the only place where the gates of hell is mentioned. The gates of hell are positioned directly against church building. Yes. Yes. The gates of hell is right there. When you say you build a church, then the gate of hell comes to be where you are. Do everything except to build a church. Don't build church. I came here to be your greatest encourager 
for you to build your church, the church that God has given you to build, I tell you, I came to encourage you to build your church. Don't let the gates of hell prevent you from building the church that God has called you to build. It's the greatest thing you can ever do with your life. And when the anointing of the Spirit is on you, you become a church planter and a church builder. And you must keep moving on with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the mighty Holy Spirit. He's moving, he's moving, he's moving. And today, the, the, the idea of church planting all over. You can have 1,000 churches. Believe it, you can have 1,000 churches. 1,000, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, up to 1,000. It is possible. It is possible. In this book, I wrote church growth. It is possible. It is. Receive church. I feel the anointing for church growth, church planting, church building. Receive it. Stand to your feet, everybody.